Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. First cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's John Deere Classic. Joining me to break it all down, Sia Najat is here. Sia, happy fourth. It's weird, right? Some people have kind of already celebrated on the weekend. Some will celebrate again or for the first time tomorrow. So it's like kind of in this middle range here. Yeah, I think when you have a holiday on a Tuesday and, and we can have maybe people weigh in uh, with their opinion, I think it's basically a holiday for at least 48 hours. So I think we're safe kind of saying happy July 4th uh, to people, even though it's July 4th. Okay, fair enough. Well, uh, there were fireworks, boom, last week at the Rocket Mortgage. There will be more this week for the John Deere Classic. But before we jump into the golf course, before we jump into this field, let me give everyone a reminder of a couple of items. Uh, the fan selection for the one and done is in the description right now. You can go get your vote in. Secondly, that will not be, I guess will not be due Sia until Wednesday at 5 PM Eastern because the mega preview pod is happening on Wednesday this week. Oh, well that's, that's news to me. That gives me even more time. Uh, to right. miss getting my pick in. So that'll be fun. But okay, that's good news. We got a little bit more time. All right. The, the holiday uh, pushed us to Wednesday. So we'll do Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday this week, as opposed to Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So a little, little programming note. Trying to think if there's anything other, any other housekeeping items I need to hit before we get started. I don't think, I don't think there is. Uh, let's look ahead. See ya. Let's let's talk John Deere classic. Let's talk about the golf course. Josh, if you could share my screen, that'd be great. Uh, my website, rickrungood.com right here. And uh, again, see, I think I probably said it last week. Like if you like birdies, uh, you're going to get a lot of them this time around. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it feels like this is going to be like the third in a row, at, at least like this. Um, and what's interesting is each time we we do this, the talent at the top gets sort of lesser and lesser. And that makes sense for this one in particular, because we're on the horizon of the Scottish Open and the Open Championship. So, you know, again, you know, something I said last week, which didn't really work out for me personally, because I didn't have the best DFS week last week. But, you know, you really want to get interesting, for lack of a better way to say it, with your lineups. I really, really think that's important. Now, listen, last week, there were guys at the top that were contending. Obviously, Ricky Fowler, Colin Morcow were, were at the top. But this week, even more than last week, there's really no expectation necessarily that the cream is necessarily going to rise to the top. That doesn't mean I'm saying fade the 10K range or anything like that. But I just think especially in that 7K and 8K range, 
You just really have to be willing to be different in birdie fests like this, especially knowing that some of those 7K and 8K guys actually have some outright potential, actually have perhaps some win equity with guys like Denny McCarthy and Russell Henley at the top. Yeah, and I think that the data, the way that I interpret the data, and you could interpret this a lot of different ways. The way that I interpret the data uh, is that because the golf course is not particularly long, 7,200 yards, par 71, and all the par fives are reachable by basically the entire field, it's not that distance won't be required. It just, me to me, see it means that a lot more guys are live. Think of Steve Stricker. Think of Zach Johnson. Think of guys who have had success here. Ryan Moore. These are not these are not bombers by any stretch of the imagination. That's one way to get it done. But to me, with the strength of field, the scoring ratio that we expect, and the golf course not really boxing out a percentage of the field, I think there's a lot of guys live this week. Yeah, you know, it's funny because right before we went live, I had somebody tweet at me saying something to the effect of, are, are people still sleeping on Chez Reeve? That was just happens to be the name he brought up. But, you know, some of these guys who you don't project as, as bombers in, in a bombers course, whether that be this week or, or last week in particular, they make up for it with accuracy, which is going to be somewhat important here. They make up for it with, with really good putting, which is definitely going to be important here. So sometimes we emphasize one thing and we kind of forget about, well, what are those shorter guys doing to make up for the lack of, let's say, distance in this case? And I think Chez Reeve is actually a pretty good example. Somebody we may bring up when we get into the 7K range. All types of golfers can do this. And, and I think you want to be focused uh, maybe a little bit more on, on some of those other things. Like, well, I shouldn't say other things, but maybe a little bit more of an emphasis on things like putting, for example, or accuracy. Yeah, we'll definitely talk, talk about Chez. One thing before we kind of dive into these tiers and these names, you know, th this is at least the weakest field that we've had in recent memory. I don't know if it's like the weakest field of the season. We'll see, but it has, you know, Denny McCarthy, Russell Henley at the top, which I, I wonder, Sia, how this is going to impact some of the projected ownership stuff. You know, there's fewer diamonds in the rough, so to speak, where I think you might get a situation where everybody congregates to the same names, but I'm not sure there's a huge difference between a lot of these guys. I, yeah. I, I think it's a game theory week, like big time game theory week. Big, and, and I think it was last week too, but honestly, this week way more so. Because again, last week we did have guys at the top. Uh, for A good example is how it played out with, with Ricky Fowler and Colin Morikawa uh, and even Adam Hadwin to an extent sort of separating themselves from the pack. And it, and it all made sense. But here, when you don't, we don't even have those, those guys. Like last week we were talking about how we don't have Rory. We don't have you know, like name the golfer, John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley. Well, now we don't even have those second tier guys that we were kind of almost indirectly criticizing last week, like the Ricky Fowlers and Colin Morikawa. There's just, there's just not a lot of difference between, I mean, you just said it, Ludwig Aberg is at 10,100. I, I love him. Phenom, I had him as a first round leader last week and I thought I had it for like five minutes and then I didn't have it. But the difference between him and let's say Steven Yeager, or the difference between, let's go down from Steven Yeager to, I don't know, at this point, Doug Gim, um, Sepp Straka, like uh, tournament to tournament, the differences aren't that huge. So, and that, by the way, I, I'm, I just happen to be looking at the screen we have on Rick Run Good on YouTube, but this little game we're doing, we can go all the way down to the low 7K range and play that game. So just keep that in mind for sure. 
Yeah, we certainly could. Well, we'll, we'll start naming names here. We'll start diving into all of the numbers and the ways that you can kind of construct these lineups. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. That $10,000 range is led by Denny McCarthy. $10,600. Russell Henley, 10-4. Ludwig Ebert, $10,100. And honestly, uh, the best player out of all of them in kind of the last 100 rounds, Cam Young, 10000 bucks. So, Sia, uh, what do we do at the top end of this board? So, Notwithstanding the fact that this is obviously a top of the board that's a little different, like it's a, it's a swing season top of the board at best, uh, it's still four really good golfers, right? At least compared to the field, at least to some degree. I know what I just said, but like these are four good golfers that, you know, you could rank one way, Rick, and I could rank the opposite way for this tournament. So I, I don't think there's necessarily a bad play here. I do think from a build standpoint, like the first build that I did a few hours ago didn't include any of these guys. And I had a 9K guy, and I had two high 8K guys, and then I just went from there. I had plenty of room to work with. I really liked what my final product was. But if I'm going to pick two guys here, I like them all to some degree, but it's probably going to be Russell Henley and Denny McCarthy. And that's mostly because of what I've seen from them lately. Like you look at the weighted tee to green, um, look at the accuracy. If you want to look at more global stuff, like, I mean, weighted tee to green, certainly global, but weighted total strokes, I mean, Denny McCarthy's first, and let's see, Russell Henley, I believe, is second in weighted total last 24 rounds. So these guys are striking it really well. They seem to be pretty good course fits. Uh, approach play elite from Russell Henley. Um, but Denny's just kind of been good all around, and obviously the putter is great for him as well. So those would probably be my two favorite. Obviously, when it comes to Russell Henley, uh, the approach play has been just awesome. I mean, put these two guys together, they'll go out there and and compete against Scotty Scheffler. I mean, they're uh, Russell Henley's a stroke per round approach guy and drives it sh- accurately. And Danny McCarthy's the best putter in the world. I mean, th- these guys together would be would be a big problem. Um, so Russell back to being the great second shot player. He's got four consecutive top twenties. If you go back a little bit further than that, he's got that T four at the Masters and another top twenty at the RBC Heritage. The only place he's I didn't want to say struggle. The only place he's missed the cut recently is the PGA championship and he didn't miss it by much. Um, Denny, I think is really interesting here. I, I think there's a scenario and I'll ask you about how you think the ownership is going to break down in a, in a second here. But I mean, Denny McCarthy is gaining five to 10 strokes putting every single week, <laughs> which is, which is scary, scary stuff. And then he's gained at least three strokes on approach in three of his last five. And then when he does that, you get, the runner-up finish at the Memorial in which he went to a playoff with Victor Hovland, the T7 at the Travelers, right? The T8 at the Wells Fargo, these like very high-end weeks. Now, do you have any issue uh, taking Denny McCarthy and paying the second highest price ever on him? Like, is he, I I know someone has to be $10,600, but do you need a win from Denny and do you feel comfortable with that? Well, I, w- I would be expecting a win from Denny if I, if I rostered him, but 
first of all, this is like breaking news that this is the second highest he's been priced. Is is that accurate? Like yeah, that's a thing? so 10,000, uh, believe it or not. So the 2019 Bermuda Championship, he was $10,800. The 2022 Bermuda, again, weak field, obviously, he was 10,400. So this week he's 10,6. So he's right in the middle of those two. And where else do you get that kind of information that matters not uh, than the, uh, the first cut pod? Uh, so listen, I, like I understand your question, but I mean, it is all relative to the field. So, I mean, I don't really have a huge problem. And the thing is, because the 7K range is so diverse, I just think that you can go ahead. In fact, one of my lineups, just so you know, so the other lineup, I started one lineup in the 9K range. The other lineup started actually because I wanted to see how it would work out with Denny McCarthy and Russell Henley. And if memory serves, I had 7,250 left. Not bad because there was a couple of 7K guys, 6,900 guys, even some uh, A guy in the mid 6K range I liked, but I could just, I could have settled with that in the low 7K range. And for the record, I didn't have to pair Denny with Russell Henley of all people. I could have paired him with, let's say, Eric Cole or Keith Mitchell, and I would have had a, a ton of money left. So, no, I don't mind that Denny, like the, the thing I love about Denny McCarthy is what you said about his finishing positions. Like he should have won the Memorial. I mean, Hovland was unbelievable down the stretch. My point is, you don't usually have a guy that, catches somebody like that on a difficult course like it was just an unbelievable performance by hobbling it's not like denny came back to the pack he, he played just fine and the t8 that you mentioned the t9 that you mentioned he's just been really good down the stretch so i don't expect him to especially in this field to wilt on a sunday so that that's probably my favorite thing whereas like we saw ludwig ludwig Aberg, he had that great start he's a new guy i can't believe he's 10,100, but the point is, I just think that Denny McCarthy is a closer. And so I, I really enjoy that part about him. Yeah. So, so Ludwig goes out and I mean, right, rips off a, you know, Thursday 65 or whatever that was with two late bogeys. And then he's, you know, just one of your 36 hole guys in the mix. Now he struggles over the weekend, see ya. And now we've got two straight starts of him losing three strokes on approach. I think there's going to be a scenario in which, Denny, Russell Henley, and Ludwig eat up a lot of that ownership in the 10K range. I, I just think that's kind of where my pulse has it. What, do, what are you thinking about this? Yeah, I think it's probably going to be Denny in this order. I think it's going to be Denny, Henley, and then Aberg, and then Young when initial ownership comes out. And then I think we, we know what happens on Wednesdays and Wednesday nights when people see that, that then some people will start to shift onto Cameron Young, at least in that 10K range. So I think it's going to be Denny and Henley that are going to be the most popular. And then it's going to be basically, it'll end up being a tie between Cameron Young and Ludwig Aberg. I, I love Aberg. I love him. However, if I erase the name of this, if I don't, didn't know he was wearing a Texas Tech hat, whatever, and I looked at this stat profile and I said, okay, I've only got you know a handful of professional starts here. Unbelievable driver in half of his last six starts. He has lost three strokes on approach. Um, he faded on the weekend. He has not putted great. And this is going to be a putting contest. I can make a pretty compelling case for him to, to, to not be involved in Aberg this week to fade Aberg. Now I love him. I love the talent. I think he's going to be phenomenal. But if you just handed me this sheet of paper, I could find a pretty compelling fade at $10,000, $10,100. Absolutely right. And that's why I think we're going to see ownership in this range end up collecting on the top two guys. Which leaves Cam Young. Which leaves a ge genuinely, I, I don't know what to do mm -hmm. with Cam Young. 
Um, I'm at least slightly encouraged that the ball striking numbers are kind of coming back. I'm genuinely encouraged that his around the green play is getting better, despite I don't think he's going to like if you again, I say it all the time in birdie fest, like if you're using your around the green play um, here, you're not winning. I'm still worried about this putter, but man, I mean, if, if this was three months ago, he'd be six to one. Yeah, that's exactly right. And this is the thing when it comes to a guy like Cameron Young, who, who doesn't appear to have his game at all. Uh, he's such a good player overall, in my opinion, and maybe I'm wrong about my overall opinion, by the way, but I think he's such a good player that the, the question I always ask myself when it comes to guys like this, and you could say the same thing about like Justin Thomas two weeks ago and last week where it worked one way and it didn't work the other is, is it going to surprise me if Cameron Young wins this tournament? And I think everybody would say no, right, Rick? I think everybody would say, no, I guess it wouldn't surprise me if Cameron Young won this tournament because we know he's, a, we think he's an elite talent. He just hasn't put it together. Uh, so I don't mind playing Cameron Young. It's, it's probably not going to be for me. Um, but if the ownership ends up being super low, which again, I don't think it's necessarily going to be super low on Cameron Young because I think people conceive of him as the best talent in this field, whether he's proven it lately or not. But if the ownership's low, I'm happy to, to play a few shares of him. The $9,000 range starts with Adam Hadwin, who was in a playoff last week, Eric Cole, Keith Mitchell, Adam Shank, right in the middle. And then the bottom is Taylor Moore, Chris Kirk, Emiliano Grillo, Seamus Power, and JT Poston. So, uh, Sia, there is a guy that I don't think I was particularly interested in, like, last week as I was thinking about this event. And then the more I looked into it, I've fallen in love with. Oh, I'm so curious who that might be. I, I, I can tell you when I saw this range, there was one guy that really sort of popped out to me. And I went to the odds board and uh, started writing my article for Sportsline and was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, this is the guy I'm going to put down sort of in that upper tier. He was 28 to one on DraftKings and his name is uh, Eric Cole. Okay. I like Eric Cole a lot. That is not the guy, but he's like, I think he's like my, my number two guy. Uh, okay. and I think if you would ask me three days ago, I think I would have told you who's my number one guy. Cause I do love the way he's playing. He's been, I mean, he's been phenomenal. He's from, um, I looked it up just raw strokes gained. Say what you will about it. Raw strokes gained since the start of 2023. He's the 14th best player in the world. Like, I mean, he just routinely beats the field and this is one of the weaker fields he's going to see. He's been awesome. He's also been at 24 rounds. The last 24, he's been top 10 with the putter, uh, top 10 weighted T to green. Uh, third in, you know, on your site, on Rick Run Good, uh, Rick, and you can help me with this. I believe it's under um, the, the power rankings. And if you click on fan, I think it's when you click on fantasy, he's third last 24 rounds in opportunities plus. And that would be, correct me if I'm wrong, that would be get, grabbing an opportunity within 10 feet, correct? Yeah, it's a, it's a birdie look, a putt at birdie uh, at 10 feet or closer. Yes. And so, yeah, we see him third there. So, I mean, again, on a course like this, that certainly makes sense to pay attention to something like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I love Eric Cole, but I'm very curious. Oh, okay. I, I, can I guess Can I guess one more time to the guy that, that you like? Sure. Is it Taylor Moore? No. And it could have been, but he gained like 10 strokes putting last week, hmm. which has me a little bit. Like, I'll buy all the long-term Taylor Moore stock, but when you gain 10 strokes putting and lose a half a stroke, on approach that I'm not, I'm not super stoked about that, but I, I, I think I am a buyer long-term. No, it's actually, believe it or not, Emiliano Grillo. Oh, okay. He was one of my three guys in this range. So I probably should have led with that. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, he won four starts ago. Number one, yeah. which is great. He finished T15 at the travelers, which was an elevated stacked 
field. Um, not only that, but he finished fifth in Mexico, seventh the RBC Heritage. He's having a great year. He sit whatever he figured out, or at least appears to have figured out with the putter since the players uh, is all. He's the fifth best putter in this field since the players. That was four months ago. Now, anytime Grillo's giving you gains with the flat stick, he's going to be pretty dangerous. So mm -hmm. I've kind of just grown on that. And then I was like, all right, well, let's see what he's done here. And of course he's played here once and he finished runner up last year. So I'm just like, okay, I've got a great ball striker who's playing well, who adds on 10 events of being a positive putter, which is kind of the thing that unlocks everything for him. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm in. Totally agree. Uh, he, he really popped to me as well. I mean, you kind of mentioned everything that, that I would have mentioned, but just looking at some of the stuff that I, that I saw in your site, that the, the weighted total strokes, he was top five. Again, I was using 24 rounds today, but um, opportunities plus that we just talked about top 10 there. Accuracy is good. Weighted T to green, as you might expect, uh, top 10 in the field. I love him. I, I think Grillo is great at 9,200. I think he's a bargain. There's one other guy that I like in this range. Okay. And what's funny, what you said about Grillo is that I don't really look at course history much, but, I, but I'll certainly glance at it. And when I saw Grillo was second, I was like, all right, that's helpful. Like, obviously, if I see a guy that's finished like 27th and 30th, like, I'm not going to really assign any value to that one way or the other for the most part, especially not at a tournament like this. But when you finish second, it really it kind of tells me something like, okay, well, there's certainly some upside and some potential here. So the other guy, like, I didn't even know this was his history until after I looked at his stats. It was Adam Schenk at 9,500. Now, this is a boomer bust guy, no doubt, but he rates out really well in terms of birdies and scoring and opportunities plus. Um, the approach play and the putter really good. And then if you look at his history in 2021, he's yeah. fourth in 2019, he's sixth. Like this is before anybody knew who Adam Shank was. And now he's on the scene and he's popping, you know, every third tournament, every other tournament, he's like kind of looking like he's going to contend on a Saturday. And so I think he's really interesting here at 9,500. Yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned kind of the boomer bus thing. Uh, because that's exactly what he is. So when you look at how often he gains strokes to the field and when he plays well, how well does he play? He is His floor is basically Keith Mitchell, uh, which mm -hmm. is worse than Eric Cole. It's worse than Denny McCarthy. It's worse than Russell Henley, Cam Young, Adam Hadwin. But his ceiling is like the second best ceiling in the field, uh, which is when he gains... He gains four or more strokes to the field 16% of the time. The only guy better in the last 50 rounds is Denny McCarthy. So it, it is a very volatile situation. But if that's what you're looking for, Adam Shank like, is probably the best guy for that. I mean, I, I hate to keep touting your site, but I just, I've never been on that strokes gain distribution page with the percentages. Yeah. Like, again, there's so much here that, like, I kind of focus on what I like to focus on. This is a whole new world to me. So I should probably just call you. it, like, floor and ceiling because that's, like, really what I use this for. It's just, like, because you'll see guys that their floor is, you know, Michael Kim and their ceiling is Patrick Cantlay. And it's, like, okay, well, that's a big difference between the guy whose floor and ceiling is both Seamus Power. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that. that's just a, just a big difference. Um. Yeah, I mean it's a pretty stacked 9k range. Is there is there a planet in which you just skip the 10s? I mean we talked about we talked about getting two 10s and leaving you with $7200. I don't know what it is if you just go with Eric Cole and Emiliano Grillo. I don't know what that leaves you probably a lot more. 
No, it, it leaves you with uh, it leaves you with a pretty good lineup because I did that. I actually started a lineup with Eric Cole, and I and I put two guys in the upper eight K range that we're going to get to in a second. Um, maybe they'll they'll be a little chalky just to to warn you there. But if you did you know something different like Eric Cole and Chris, uh, I should say Emiliano Grillo, you're going to be in good shape. You'll have play and yes. There, there, honestly, I think half of my lineups are going to exclude the 10K range. Not that I'm the guy that's doing 150 lineups, by the way, but you know, I'll probably have like 10 or 12 at least uh, different lineups. And I would imagine five to six of them, if not more, maybe closer to seven, are going to start in the 9K range. All right. Well, we'll continue down the board here, eight, seven, sixes, and then we'll hit the narrative lineups at the end of the show. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. Alex Smalley leads us off at $8,900 with Steven Yeager, Benny Ann, Sepp Straka, Christian Bezaden-Hoat at the top end of this range. And then the bottom half, Taylor Montgomery, Patrick Rogers, Nick Taylor, Matt Kuchar, Doug Gimsia. Where do you want to go? Three guys I like here. I mean, I like a lot of guys here. And so I think there's a lot of pivot potential here, especially if some of these guys that I mentioned end up being somewhat chalky. But again, I started, I guess it was the second lineup I made with Eric Cole and two AK guys. The two AK guys were... Alex Smalley and Steven Yeager. And I think they're, I think these are two guys that can win this tournament. And so, and, and I don't think I'm like breaking news here. I, I think in a tournament like this, you could even see guys in the 7K range that can break through and win this tournament. But Alex Smalley at 8,900, I think is at least decent value. He makes birdies, uh, weighted total strokes, top 10. Uh, the the opportunities plus metric that I looked at for this tournament, uh, he, he was decent. He wasn't like amazing in that, but he was decent. Um, rates out pretty well in the accuracy department as well. I just think Smalley's the guy that can just kind of surprise you and, and, and just go up and win a tournament. And frankly, I think Steven Yeager is the same type of guy at 8,800. Uh, weighted T to green is great, uh, especially recent form there. Uh, he's first in that metric, uh, opportunities plus. Um, top 10 weighted total strokes. He makes birdies. Like I think both of these guys have plenty of win potential. And, and I think, honestly, I think you could put Jaeger and Smalley in the small 9K range or the lower 9K range. And I don't think anybody would have a problem with that. Just It just kind of tells you what we were talking about earlier. Like, they got to put Denny McCarthy somewhere. You know, they got to put some of these, like, Grillo somewhere. They got to put Chris Kirk somewhere. Smalley and Jaeger probably deserve to be in that 9K range in this field. So I tend to agree with you. Now, let me show you something here on um, on Jaeger, which I think is uh, a profile that is that is brewing. Okay, so he has almost exclusively put together three good rounds and one bad round every single week. That bad round is usually Sunday. So, I mean, look at his last four or five weeks where three quarters of the time he's gaining pretty significantly to the field and he derails himself on one day. Uh, It was Sunday at the PGA Championship. It was Sunday at the Charles Schwab. It was, it wasn't that bad, but it was Sunday at the Memorial. It was Sunday at the travelers and it was Saturday at the rocket mortgage. Um, Other than that, it's gains, 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 gains. And when I see a profile like this, I think that it is easier to clean up the one bad round than it is to figure out a way to go lower two or three times a week. Totally agree. And it looks like to the extent you thought that was sort of a round four trend, I don't mean you, but anybody looking at these stats round by round and thought that was a round four trend, he obviously reversed it at the Rocket Mortgage. I mean, by the way, this guy would have been amazing on live basically this entire year. Uh, With all that said, I love what we're seeing. I mean, listen, what we're looking at right now on YouTube is round by round. Look how much he's he's popping with the putter, not just in round four of the Rocket Mortgage, but we go down the way a little bit. It's not that long ago. It's early June where we're seeing back-to-back rounds gaining two, three-plus strokes 
I mean, this is the exact guy you want here, I think. And by the way, see, I mentioned Eric Cole's odds were 28 to 1 on DraftKings. And I only looked at DraftKings because at the time, those were the only ones that had a conventional book that had odds out. I believe Steven Yeager was in that 35 to 40 to 1 range. I think that's a great number, personally. Yeah, listen, I I love the upside. It's there. Yeah, he, he goes out, shoots the the ties the course record on Sunday last week. So hopefully, maybe that's enough just to wipe the wipe the whole Sunday scaries out of his system and and uh, just moves on and plays well all four rounds. Because if you get four good rounds out of him, uh, I think it's going to be really really special stuff. So he is he is the the, the guy that I mostly uh identified here the other one and i think you teased him a little bit earlier was was doug gim you know this is just starting to become uh, a bigger trend right where he's starting to look like himself from about 18 months ago which is uh, a very solid ball striker and a average to probably below average putter now he's been just right about that for his last five starts and it's no worse than a t33 in any of those with three top 25 uh, excuse me three top 20s and now he gets a weak field. So, so yeah, this is clearly something brewing for, for Doug Gim as well. Yep. Absolutely. Love Doug Gim. I'm, I'm, I'm on you on that one. I'm with you on that one. I mean, I think this AK range is, is kind of loaded when you think of, again, the talent at the top. I think if any of these guys we talked about become popular, I I think, listen, people are going to go back to Ben on, uh, I'm not going to. I wasn't on him last week either, but people are going to go back to Ben on. I think Sepp Straka is at least worthy of a conversation. Christian Bezedenhout is worth a conversation. So if you're going to travel in this 8K range, if you think a guy like Steven Yeager can win and he's chalky, like I'd say definitely go ahead and play him. But there's other guys in this range you could absolutely pivot on to. I don't think this is the spot for Benny on. I'm with you there. Um, the Bezedenhout stuff's weird. I don't, I don't know if this is super compelling, but I get it because he does pop at times and he's got that when he's playing his best, he does that combination of approach and putting, which is like exactly what you want at a birdie fest. So I, I mm-hmm. get it. If you want to take a little bit of a flyer there on him, especially after the runner up finish last year. But yeah, there's, this is, this feels like where the money will be won and lost. Yeah. And I, you know, I look at names again, I'm not, I'm going to tell everybody I'm not going to do this, but there's a name I'm looking at that. You know, when, you know, Patrick McDonald and I do the early wedge with, with coach on Tuesdays, and there's a name that we've been fading this entire year and it's Taylor Montgomery. He just is, the game is just not there. Like that's the type of name, especially in in a tournament where the putter could become hot for Taylor Montgomery and just make up for all his, his ball striking was like, these are the types of names that like, again, like my pivot's not going to be Taylor Montgomery, but these are the types of conversations you need to have yourself with yourself when you are making your lineups. Like, do I have a guy with upside, particularly with the putter that can get just red hot and that can't, that nobody's going to want to roster. Nobody's going to want to roster Taylor Montgomery. So it's just something to consider. Yeah, man, that is horrific. But, but you know, you know, what's funny, Rick, like I, those of you that are watching on YouTube, like you just got to shake your head. Like the look on Rick's face, like (laughs) says it all. Like, this is like, this is alarming stuff. And, you know, again, that's why I said I'm not going to pivot onto it. Maybe he was a bad example, but I'm just telling you, people are going to look at this. He's not going to rate out well at all, obviously, and nobody's going to play him. The guy's going to be like, like, honestly, in the 8K range, you rarely get a guy that's like 3 or 4%. It wouldn't shock me if Taylor Montgomery is 3 or 4%. For sure. Still still puts it well. Still can put the lights out. But, uh, yeah, listen, there we've seen how many times in the history of golf where – a guy, I mean, literally Michael Kim won this event, like missing 14 cuts in a row. And then he shot the tournament record and then missed like another 30 in a row. So <laughs> it's, it's, 
golf is weird. Uh, the 7K range is, is pretty stocked as well. Uh, it starts with KH Lee and Ryan Palmer goes down to Sam Ryder, Scott Piercy, Justin Lauer, that type of that type of group. You got Zach Johnson in there as well, who's obviously won this event and played well here uh, in Silvis uh, throughout his career. So where do you want to go here? Because I think there's a couple of really intriguing names. Yeah, I have a total of, wow, I have like six or seven names that I like. There's really like eight or nine names. Do you want to do the thing we did last week where we just yeah. kind of toggled back and forth? Let's just each nominate a name until we're done. <laughs> okay, yeah, and I'll, I'll start. I'll, I'm just going to start in like sort of descending order. So I'll start at the top. Uh, this guy at 7,800 is top. By the way, speaking of, just real quick. Yeah. What is Taylor Montgomery doing in the $8,400 range? Like, why is he, like, can, can you explain that? And it, 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 it makes it that much more compelling to play him because nobody's going to look at that price and be like, yeah, I want to pay, pay $8,400 for Taylor He Montgomery. is living. Just leave him alone. He's doing it. <laughs> I don't I just don't get it. He should be like, I don't know, 7,400 or so. It just, it, the whole thing doesn't make sense, which makes me think like everybody should be playing him and nobody will. Ryan Palmer is, is the guy who I was going to lead with though. I, I just think he's sort of found his game a little bit. The weighted tee to green looks great. He makes birdies um, accurate off the tee or he's been accurate off the tee, I should say. Uh, and I think he's the type of guy in the 7K range that that could actually like, he, he could absolutely bust, but he's the type of guy that I think could be at least in the conversation, maybe in the top 10 on a Sunday afternoon. Last five results, T35, T8, miscut, T33, T33. So playing well um, and has gained strokes, ball striking, and a lot of those. Okay. I'll, I promised we would talk about him. Revy. That's Revy. Yeah. I did not particularly think that last week was a good setup for him, and he still finished T29. I think that's a good sign. He led the field in strokes gained approach. I think this is a better setup for him. I think that we knew the putter regression was coming from – uh, Saturday night at the travelers where he had already gained nine strokes with the putter. He did not put well on Sunday and he didn't particularly put well, well last week. That's okay. Uh, he gets, there, there is plenty of juice to squeeze of him getting back to his baseline continues to hit it well. And historically, statistically lack of distance is not going to be a problem. So Revy. All right. I'm going to skip over a guy at 7,600 that you may end up going back to, and we've actually mentioned his name already today. Uh, Dylan Wu at 7,500. Uh, I still, like, I, I'm not going to say this is an underprice, but given his pop potential, and, and we saw a little bit of it uh, last week, even though, you know, looking at these stats, it, it was all short game for Dylan Wu. But even if we just took out the T24 from last week, which was, you know, impressive, I, I think Dylan Wu has shown us he can sort of pop here and there. And I, I think 7,500 in this field is actually – a pretty good price when you consider when he gets hot, it's it, it can be with the putter and it can be with the approach game. What's funny on this stat profile that we're, we're watching on YouTube is that, well, the putter's been hot for three tournaments in a row, but the approach play's been, you know, kind of sketchy, not not terrible, but kind of sketchy. But then prior to those three tournaments, it was the putter that was bad and that the approach play was actually great for five tournaments in a row. So this is one of those things where I think those two things can be married on this birdie fest, this easy course, and, and he could be a guy in the conversation as well. Golf is hard. That's what that is. Yeah. Um, Dylan Wu needs a better PR team. He's routinely underpriced. Not always by a lot, but always underpriced. He needs a better needs a better team. Peter Quest, seventy four hundred. Yeah. You uh, saw the name last week near the top of the board. He is very close to special temporary membership status. There is not a ton of data on him, but the data that we have. So the three PGA Tour starts since the Byron Nelson. T14, T57, T4, in which he's gained strokes, ball striking significantly in all three of those. I think he's a very talented player. He will probably capture his special temporary membership status this week. So you'll likely see his name a lot, at least through the window. Yeah, I um, that was going to be my next guy. And 
I'm really curious to see what his ownership is because I think, you know, rightfully so, people want to chase what they're looking in his profile and what they saw last week. And he's one of those guys in this field you could justify saying to yourself, I want to, I want to have a lot of Peter Quest in my DraftKings lineups because he has tremendous upside. I mean, it's not like the Ludwig Aberg profile necessarily, but it's that same type of conversation where you're like, well, I'm not sure what I'm seeing, but but it looks like I'm seeing something where this guy could be at the top of the leaderboard again in a, in a much lesser field. So I, I like that one quite a bit. I have a, a couple names to close here, but I'm going to close with, you mentioned disrespect, so I'm just going to show throw this guy in there. I mean, Peter Quest, he goes from whatever he was last week. I mean, he was, he was a late entry, right? A, a qualifier, and then boom, he has a really good tournament in, in a kind of a soft field, and he's 7,400. And yet yes. Carson Young just somehow can't even breach the 7,400 mark, and the guy's just like consistently, I shouldn't say super consistent, but consistently been good this entire year. Yeah, uh, the approach numbers are bad. He had that one weird, I mean, listen, he got busted up at LACC. Yeah, so did everybody else, right? Like, mm -hmm. who cares? He, he, outside of that, the approach numbers have been great. He has gained, okay, so remove the U.S. Open. He has gained on approach every event dating back to the RBC Heritage. He has gained in the with the putter every event dating back to the RBC Heritage. Every single one of those. That's the combination you want this week. Uh, you're going to have to make a bunch of birdies. You're going to have to give yourself a bunch of looks. You're going to have to get hot. That's the combination that you want. It is also the combination that my next guy tends to put forward. Um, not always, because I'm going to show you a horrible putting week and a horrible run of putting. But Callum Taron was first in ball striking last week, last in putting. He's not a great putter. He's actually a pretty poor putter, but he's not this bad. Um, but when he was going well last year, this is what you saw, right? You saw approach putting, approach putting, approach putting. Uh, he's got the approach part down. He's got the driving part down. I just need the putting stuff. And he finished uh, T6, I believe. Yeah, T6 here last year. I like it. Yeah, I like Callum Taron. I'll, I'll, I'll end it with this. I have, and you might have one or two have, to go. I have one more, I think. I, I really want to say Nick Hardy's name at 7,300 because I do think he has upside. And by the way, he's going to make an appearance uh, later on in this show. Yes. Like an, actu an actual appearance. So um, stay tuned for that. But yeah, Nick Hardy, the, the approach play just, it really hasn't been there for him. The putter has been actually pretty good lately. And we know off the tee, he's great. I think he's a guy that, you know, in this type of setup could actually surprise some people. But I think the guy I'm going to actually mention, and by the way, Michael Kim was the guy I was referring to at 7,600, probably going to be a popular play. I, I do like him. Uh, Kevin Streelman. Like, yeah. listen, in that sort of Chez Reevy ilk, I think Kevin Streelman at 7,200 is a guy that can just mosey on his way down the course. Um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and, and end up with a, a T25. Oh, he'll be moseying. T9 add to Charles Schwab, his best finish recently. That was only four starts ago. Uh, the other one's Lucas Glover. Glover, who gained five strokes with the long putter last week. Uh, T4, and he's won this event. He's got uh, a couple top 25s outside of that, and he can always hit it. It's just a matter of if he can putt. So he's using mm -hmm. that long broomstick now. But he's using it for a couple of weeks. So it's not like it's a magic putter, but he did putt well with it last week. Yeah, historically a horrific putter. So if he's found something there, uh, given the ball striking that we traditionally see from him, Glover makes a lot of sense. Horrible putter. Um, it is not, as Josh points out, it is not the Odyssey Jailbird. It's just not, it's not a magic putter. It is the, what is it, Josh? It's the Lab Golf uh, Mizzen or whatever they call it. It's it's the same thing Adam Scott uses. Um $6,000 range. Boy. <laughs> Not a great range. Um, Ryan Moore? Yeah. Ryan Moore is an accurate golfer 
who is an above average approach player who has had, and when I say above average, I mean like, like pale play of the week, slightly above average, who has crushed it at this golf course, even during the darkest of times, three straight top 24 finishes. He won it in 2016. I'm kind of comfortable or at least relatively comfortable with him in the $6,000 range. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think there's a few guys um, you know, one of them seems like pretty safe in the 6k range and it'll probably pick up some popularity, nothing out of control, but I think Grayson Sig at 6,900, uh, makes a little bit of sense that the approach has been great from him. Um, the putter usually a problem, but showed some promise at, at the, the RBC Canadian and the travelers. I, I think at 6,900 Grayson Sig can absolutely flash. If you need to go down in this range, Peter Malnati is at least interesting to me with some decent finishes lately, including ninth last week. And then a guy I mentioned last week, what's funny about my last week, I mentioned at the, the front end of the show, you know, I've been having an okay uh, DFS year, but last week I, I was pretty much dead on Thursday. Like I just might, like I had some guys that I really liked, like Morikawa and Fowler, but they were, they were in the lineups that have, you know, Austin Eckrup, for example, or just some guys that like weren't even close to the cut. Um, but one, the, the 6K range, the guys I mentioned were actually pretty good last week. They were all good, actually. And one of them was Marty Dow last week at 6,500. He's 6,900 this week. Now, the metrics don't really speak to me necessarily, but he's made four out of five cuts, uh, ninth at the Rocket Mortgage, and the putter has been very good for him. So I think he's at least interesting at 6,900. Trying to look through and see what else stands out. You can kind of get some guys that have, have have decent history, like Chris Stroud, but again, like the last time he played this was 2019. You get a couple guys who have kind of popped as of late, but it's not not a lot to write home about Dylan Fratelli won this event a couple of years ago, but again, he has been playing horribly. So I, yeah, like a SIG, um, Ryan Moore, Marty Dow. I would consider, I'm not, I'm not really a believer yet of Davis Thompson, but mm-hmm. he had by far his best start in a while. So maybe I could go there, but this is, I think this range is the biggest incentive to make sure that you can, or biggest incentive to miss or to uh, start in like the 9K range. Yeah, that's right. And for the record, you can start in the 10K range and, and easily miss this 6K range. But but I agree with you. I mean, in terms of taking shots, I'd rather take shots on low-owned guys in the 7K range than your classic low-owned, you know, 6K guy. So I think if you're if you're trying to be different, this is probably not the range to do it in because you can be different in so many other places. I do want to mention one other name, and I want to bring up his profile. Kelly Craft at 6,400. Uh, I believe the approach and the, the putter, I mean, this is 6,400. So you're just be, you're having a crazy lineup at this point, but the putter's been okay. The finishing positions have been okay. He's made three out of four cuts. Mind you, T79 doesn't really speak to me, but I don't know. The approach play hasn't been bad. I mean, we see loser on, on the approach, but barely a loser on approach in fields that are better than this. I'm just, I'm just throwing some speculation out there. I think 6,400, it's something I, I might want to take a look at. It's not the worst profile I have ever seen. I'll Fair say enough. that for sure. All right. See ya. Um, we get to a very exciting strokes gain narrative portion of the show where we throw out all logic and reason and people submit their lineups of six golfers based on any narrative that they want, generally loosely tied to the golf tournament, whether it is sponsor location, rhyming names, et cetera, et cetera. So Josh, let's see what we've got for the first slide, please. I have not seen any of these yet, so I'm going in very, very blind here. Um, Model Maniac says the John Deere Classic, a.k.a. the People's Major. Is that what they call it? See, the People's Major? 
Uh, I have no idea, but it kind of makes sense. Why? Well, because like nobody like <laughs> wouldn't that something... be, wouldn't that be the P isn't the People's Open the Phoenix Open? Yeah, but I feel like it's almost like reverse psychology. Like things that like tournaments that people might might not care so much about, they kind of get branded with like ah, it's it's the People's. It's it's almost like a it's it's like derogatory, but it's it's almost like self deprecating. Like ah, it's the People's Awards. So there are almost uh, these are almost like a superlatives, or he call, he's yes. calling them the People's Awards. So sexiest pro Harry Higgs. Now, I, I think you'll already get dispute from KH Lee, right? He's called himself the sexiest man alive. So we, this is already under protest by KH Lee. Well, so yeah, I, I think you know, clearly Harry Higgs is not that guy. But the I, he the way he kind of struts around the course and with the the buttons low, like I feel like he fancies himself as the sexiest pro. Not really, but like that's how he carries himself. So I'm going to give it to him. I uh, not a fan of buttons. Harry Higgs that does not <laughs> like to uh, to button those bad boys up. Most athletic cam champ, probably right. Uh, mm -hmm. Almost had it. That goes to Denny McCarthy. Hold my beer. That's Mark Hubbard. Go ahead, Sia. Sorry. No, Denny's really athletic too. So it's funny that they're back to back. Denny can play some basketball among other things. So just FYI there. Hold my beer, Mark Hubbard. Holding Hub's beer. That's Adam Hadwin. Yeah, careful, Adam. Be careful out there. And the mayor of Silvis, that none other than Zach Johnson. Thank you, Model Maniac. Uh, Sam Clark says, uh, look, you can see the thought process here. July, summer, John Deere Classic. Means it's time to consider all things that look good in John Deere Green. Oh, John Deere Green, which I'm sure is a very specific Pantone. See ya. It must be. It's got to be. I think I'm wearing John Deere green, but you can't tell from my lighting. John Deere green. Hmm. Oh, it's also a song. John I, you Deere know, green is a song. <laughs> we also had a song submitted by Joseph Laparo, but uh, because of what we have next, I could only include a, a couple of uh, uh, SG narratives uh, for today. The John Deere green, the Pantone is PMS 364C if you were looking for that. So here we go. Things that look good in green. A stack of Benjamins Martin definitely looks good. Asparagusto Nunez. Great. Kevin Chapel. Depends on what kind of apple, right? Some are green, some red. Lime Mark Arita Hubbard. Nice. Akshamrock Batia. Nice. And David Brockolipsky. Can, can I ask you something real quick? Please. Before we get to the, the crescendo of this show, uh, do you prefer asparagus over broccoli or the opposite? I'm not a fan of either, but I would prefer broccoli. All right. And green apples or red apples? I think I'm a red apple guy. Yeah, me too. Yeah. All right. A, they're both okay. Um, Sam, well done. Congratulations. Well done. Now, we have one more slide, right? And then the... Uh, well, no, we have one more oh. just video. Oh, that, wait, that's it. There's no more. There's this is there's nothing else. We're we're gonna unleash the video, right? So I, I gotta set this up for a second. Yep. Okay. So this is from John Markowski. That's right, the goat. Okay. All right. So John Markowski, who many, including myself most days, believe is the goat of the strokes gain narrative, has just raised the bar. Now, there have been a couple other moments in Strokes Gain narrative history where the bar has been raised. We've seen Gigi come on and do some uh, musical numbers. It's just kind of taken over a life of its own. But John Markowski, Sia, uh, and you can have final word here before we run it, has, has certainly taken us to a new level. Yeah, so John, I think he's on vacation. And for whatever reason, he can't well, – listen, I think he saw – 
what you, who was it uh, that that did the um, the song last week? I can't believe Keith Stewart who did the he did a song last week on on uh, David Bielski's lyrics, which was really cool. And and I think he's you know he's noting the the Gigi stuff too. And I think he wanted to raise the stakes. So what he did was he decided he would get an actual PGA Tour pro mm-hmm. player to do a uh, stroke scan narrative with him. And it happens to be somebody who's from Illinois, it appears, and who's going to be in this tournament. And so he basically just sent him something on, of all platforms, Cameo. And this person, Nick Hardy, said, let's do it. Let's roll. Good morning, John. Um, my uh, instructions here are to read uh, the John Deere DraftKings golf lineup based on the golfers' names. The theme is the state of Illinois. Uh, first off, John Deere Classic next week. One of my favorite events of the year. Basically, kind of I call it my hometown event. Obviously, me being from Northbrook, Illinois, means a lot to me. I can't wait to play well there next week. Um, I've played it three times in my career, and this will be my fourth, and I love going back. Um, so here we go with the, the lineup, the DraftKings lineup. First off uh, of, the, of the six sum is Michael Jordan Thompson, Sean O'Hare Airport, Sungil Nobama, Harry Carey Higgs, Willis Tower Gordon, and lastly, rounding off the sixum is Nick Hardy, the pride of Northbrook, Illinois. Um, here we go. Let's let's have a week. Uh, thanks, John. Well, there you go. I mean, Nick Hardy. First off, hat tip John Markowski. Hat tip uh, Nick Hardy for uh, doing that. Uh, Nick, you're hired. He reads those better than I do. He knows what he's doing. That was excellent. Like, I don't know if he rehearsed that because he just wanted to make sure he nails every cameo that he does. But that was fantastic. And for the record, as soon as I saw that this morning and tweeted it out, you know, at First Cut Pod, I did that, dropped the hashtags, Trusty Narrative. I didn't tag Nick Hardy on it because I didn't necessarily want to be annoying like that. But the point is, I was like, how can you not bet Nick Hardy after watching this video? And I bet him at 90 to 1. And then I think a lot, like just in the community, people were like, yeah, that's fun. I'm going to put a couple bucks on him too. And then somebody tweeted at me, I don't know, two hours later and was like, uh, look what you've done. He's down to 70 to one. So we've got like a little uh, first cut stroke scan narrative movement that's driving the price down on Nick Hardy. I don't care if it's two to one, just for the sake of the community, you got to put a couple of bucks on Nick Hardy. The, the line movement. Yes, that's that's what we are doing. We're moving markets over here. Uh, very cool. So that'll conclude our strokes gain narrative portion of the show. We do that uh, every single week. Well, fun and games at the end. See ya, this will be a good one. And then we are going to have to get acclimated to a different time zone. The boys are going, the boys are going overseas. That's right. Scottish Open, Open Championship. It'll be interesting for a couple of different reasons. One is because we're we're back to elite players. It's obviously, you know, going to be time zone wise, very different. Uh, but you know, no, no more birdie fests either. So I think that, you know, th- these listen, let's be honest. I like these tournaments quite a bit, uh, these birdie fests in the sense that it's DFS. I love it every week. It doesn't matter to me, but they are kind of volatile. They're they're kind of hard to predict. So hopefully we're going to have a great week this week, but I am looking forward to getting back to, you know, just kind of the non-Birdie Fest nature, some of the more elite players being back. Big thanks to producer Josh who does all the hard work behind the scenes. Sia Najad is available on Twitter at Sia Najad. We will be back on Wednesday for the Mega Preview Pod. Happy 4th. Be safe. Be smart. Catch you next time. (laughs) 